Hello and welcome to Molding Masculinity. I'm Tom McFarland this week, here with Philip Sipe once again. Uh, this week, I'm channeling one of my favorite podcasters, Richard Evans, and I'm coming into this week's episode very, very, just indelicately hungover. Um, so, but we're, I, I think it's a fitting topic to discuss this week in that, uh, in that vein of being. Uh, we're talking about brotherhood, friendship among brothers, friendship among men, uh, the kind of whole concept that exists in the sphere of like how we think about masculinity of being like the idea of brotherhoods. Um, when I talk about the good elements of this, the ways that this can be like a lot of positive masculinity that can be wrapped up in this, uh, things that are, you know, like community is good. Uh, I, I, you know, I think we both have been very firmly on the side of, com you know, having a community is good in this podcast. Uh, but I think we For also sure. want to you know, yeah, talk about some more negative elements of that. Uh, Philip, do you want to dive right in? Yeah. So, I mean, we have, there's, there's a lot to, to think about in, in terms of this. And I think, you know, as we mentioned, like we're, we're have this ongoing, uh, series, you know, of that we're starting with looking at specific elements of positive masculinity and looking at more like building a positive case for what masculinity should become or uh, what would be at least in a more beneficial direction. Uh, and I think with a lot of this, like, you know, because it's not going to be a thing we're going to like start from the back and, and, you know, define masculinity, you know, in this perfect sort of way, it's going to be a fuzzier sort of thing. Um, you know, we're going to be starting with a lot of things that exist now that are like, hey, here's a good thing. And the problem, the difficulties with that are going to be that those things are intrinsically linked in, or not intrinsically, but they are currently linked into um, toxic elements as well. You know, it's all wrapped up in a big old bundle of stuff. And so there's going to be uh, some pointing out about how some of these things are good, but you have to, with, with a little bit of an asterisk of, you have to watch out for certain kinds of things. Um, as to my own personal experience, um, I've been a part of a, a wide array of communities, uh, brotherhoods, you might think of them as, at least they, um, depends on how uh, specific you wanna be or on how, on how uh, restrictive you want to be with, with the term brother specifically, but um, certainly when I got into the uh, Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons communities, uh, they were very male. Um, uh, they have both gotten less so over time uh, to the community's benefit, I think. Um, but... I have a lot of thoughts about how brotherhood can be an amplifying effect on elements of people's experiences uh, based on like what those communities are centered around and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, I, I, come, I come at it from, from the perspective of a lot of the sort of brotherhoods I've belonged to are ones that are hobby centric. Yeah, I think that kind of follows with uh, with me as well. And I think, you know, and one thing I, I kind of want to talk about right here in the beginning is we started talking about, uh, um, you know, diverse friend groups. And, and I, you know, as we've talked about on this podcast before, I 
myself have a lot of friends who are uh, not masculine presenting people, who are women uh, and otherwise feminine presenting. And I do think it's incredibly important to have friends from a diverse uh, group of, from a diverse selection of humanity, right? That's one of the ways that we grow. Um, I also, though, do think that there is importance in having friend groups that are folks who have a shared experience as you. And and, and I think that's where, like, some of the more kind of positive elements of brotherhoods kind of come from is like, yeah, sure. I mean, and, and, and I mean this in the same way of, like, uh, you know, positive elements of sisterhoods can 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 definitely parallel this. Um, you know, it's folks with a shared experience who have gone through some similar uh, things and are able to process things jointly and together and, uh, and, yeah, and all of those kind of good elements of that. So there's benefits to both of those spheres. And I think there is a lot to be lost for an individual if you cut yourself off from having one sphere or the other, right? If you if you go out into things like, well, I'm only going to be friend, I'm only going to build friend groups that include people who have went through the exact same thing as me, you're going to be lacking a lot. If you go out into things looking like, I'm not going to be friends with anybody who looks like me, talks like me, has anything in common with me you're going to also lose a lot, I think. And uh, and so that's where, like, like, that's a side of this where I think brotherhoods have an importance in masculinity uh, and, and, and among masculine presenting folks, um, especially, and also especially uh, including masculine presenting folks who are not, um, uh, what's the correct f phrase I should use here, uh, born, uh, assumed, Assumed male assigned, at birth, assigned, assigned, male at birth. Ass, assigned male at birth, um, you know, including folks who are not who were not assigned male at birth into these kind of brotherhoods and masculine presenting spaces, I think is very important. Um, so, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I I think that um, it's always a tension, right? Um, you can. Yeah. The, the value of. Um, constrained spaces versus the need to have the or versus the the tension of those spaces being places that can drift to uh more extremes over time in the sense of like uh like if you have like a male only space you know it can be a really positive space to share some experiences that all the you know other men in the group can say like yeah i know what you mean yeah here's how i dealt with that here's how i you know um you know, here's what my experience is like, yeah, things like that. Um, but, you know, we can also see that there are some spaces like that, like the red pill community that drift to, you know, more radical spaces and saying like, yeah, women are, you know, do suck and they are the problem. <laughs> um, you know, it, it really depends on centering your community around, you know, I think like a positive, you know, building up each other sort of vibe uh versus um wh what you don't want to do is become a place where people just come and like complain and you all like if you find you're in a community and all people are doing is like complaining about stuff and they like kind of like spiral downward with like their complaints get more and more heavy <laughs> well thank um, god leftist twitter never does this oh god <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean that's kind of 
man that's that's kind of the difficulty with a lot of it is like it's so hard like any given community like even ones like that are primarily composed of what what you would say are statistically privileged people like men on average are more privileged than um women but certainly you know and you know this has been repeated ad nauseum in a million circles but you know certainly like the just because like your the identities you belong to may be more privileged than others certainly doesn't mean that your life individually is you know free of sorts of expectations or oppressions that are unfair or unjust and like it gets really really hard to not uh endlessly complain about those things and I, there's value in under in in that in that you don't feel alone, but I think some people get a little bit attached to the, I'll say like the short term, you know, dopamine hit of like complaining to people and having people go like, yeah, that's right, uh, and they kind of tend to lose sight sometimes of okay, but like. I need to also like reach a place of acceptance with this, like recognize that like, yes, I should fight against this in the ways that I can recognize the ways that you can do that, do it, but also gain acceptance and go, okay, this is the way things are. I need to be able to move forward, do other productive stuff, do, you know, like exist in a healthier place because otherwise, yeah, you get stuff like leftist Twitter or, you know, any number of community spaces where people just like spiral really bad on just like um, increasingly aggressive teardowns of, of people. And uh, I think uh, the leftist theory version of this is like it's, uh, called like the vampire's castle or something like that. There's this sense of which like you become constantly obsessed with like purging the, the sin from your community. And like, uh, it becomes like this, uh, no, no one ever stands up and says like only the pure people can exist on the left, but um, certainly the outcome of a lot of behaviors is this sort of feeling of like, if you don't pass this, you know, unstated, unwritten purity test that, um, you know, people, I mean, this is where people get the whole cancel culture thing from, right? Like that, like, oh, you know, you say the wrong thing, you do the wrong thing once and you're canceled and, um, you know, no one, everyone will like, you know, d brigade you with hate or whatever. Yeah, and having a kind of space where that tends to take place really takes away from the ability to um, learn lessons, process, and move forward. I mean, um, you know, we we recently saw that in one of our friends group friend groups, where it's like, I'm I'm not going to get into any details here, but I mean, yeah, like folks will come, folks may come forward with a take that is maybe not seen as a good take by the you know by a lot of folks and 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 and, and immediately feel cancel culture causes folks yeah i and i hate using the actual term cancel culture because i think a lot of it is really a cultural warfare idea from the right that it's a little bit of an invented term but there is like as we've talked about though right here there is a um a system where this does happen inside of communities and when folks perceive that as being possible to happen, they become more defensive and defensive people can't learn new things. And all of us, like all of us, if we get defensive and are like, oh, you just are going to think that 
Like, you just think I'm a Nazi now, and that's just how it is, and I, like, you're not gonna process any further and actually nothing's gonna sink in. So there's not really a value in engaging in that kind of a purity culture or ideological purity or like a, hey, if you don't have the good ideas and oh, if you ever say anything wrong or slightly like that we don't like, you're out, um, is not great and healthy. And and this isn't purely on in like leftist spaces. This exists in a lot of even in hobbyist spaces, this is something that's driven me out of a few hobbies in the past uh, with things that can be as minor as like, you know, I, I used to do car audio and um, having disagreements in car audio spaces of just ideal like practices and things to do, whether or not you should run 12s, whether you should run 15s, whether you should run ported, whether you should run sealed enclosures uh, and having like communities say no this is the correct way to do this and any other way of doing it is not a way we're going to do it and like and, and you just like you get attacked about you know let's say um running ported enclosures you get attacked about that um you're just it, it, it's not beneficial it doesn't actually generate positive uh discourse within the organization or within the community and it doesn't it causes people to get defensive and to not actually listen to any arguments you may have in return of that it, it i don't know it's, it's a lot of negative energy and negative feedback loops and yeah i mean uh i think i've definitely seen this in uh like a lot of um both both the D and the um you know um magic community and the magic community this often manifests in in ways of saying uh like you have clashing um like like a lot of the magic community is centered around the tournament scene and so it's like competitive it's attempting to optimize things for you know improved win rate type stuff but uh certainly there's this problem that like a lot of people get very frustrated when uh and i and i've been a part of this too like you know you get run over by some person who comes who is doing a thing that is um unexpected and it's very frustrating to, like i i i understand the perspective like there's a certain frustration that comes from like you've done all this work to prepare and then it comes this like 12 year old kid who just put a bunch of dragons in his deck or whatever and like he would instantly lose to the other three competitive decks in the game in the meta game that would instantly run over him but yours just happens to be weak to this particular thing that no one's actually doing in the competitive scene and it's really annoying uh like but like uh, a lot of like the the problem is is that like people tend to take this and then they go you are playing a bad deck and you're bad and I lost to you, but I shouldn't have, and it's not fair and all that stuff. And like, you get this sort of like uh, elitist, like you're building your deck in the wrong way. Like you should like do all this stuff. And the kid's like, I'm just trying to have fun with my dragons. Um, and like, I've, I've been a part of that. I recognize that as bad. It's something that I've, you know, worked on trying to get out of my thought process. Um, but, you know, yeah, there's a there's definitely a sense in which like uh, I, I see this in uh, a lot of gaming spaces of like you get a certain idea of how like people are supposed to do stuff and then like when they do something that's out of the ordinary it's like um, 
taking that frustration uh, and putting it into the person and making them bad for for doing it, uh, for doing the thing you weren't expecting, um, manifests like that. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I. <laughs> And I mean, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, devolve again too much into all the negatives of these spaces and of these things in masculinity. But, you know, I, I, I do think there's a lot of validity in you know, keeping an eye out for these kinds of things. And in and, and being, uh, you, you can't create a positive space unless you are engaging in the kind of activities that ensure that it's positive and, and, and you know, healthy and, and builds folks up rather than tearing them down. Um, and I think it's also important to recognize that a lot of the more toxic elements of spaces, uh, of spaces like you know brotherhood, are often weaponized against uh, men. Uh, and, and one of these, and this is one where there's some mixed uh, discussion uh, that, that entails here that I am perhaps farther to one side of than I, I maybe should be. Uh, and that is like the idea of a competition versus uh, collaboration. I heavily lean away from competition-oriented spaces because I see a lot of this kind of stuff develop in competition-oriented spaces. I also see competition used against men and, and against people in general, um, but, but uh, aggressively in, in brotherhood spaces, competition used against men to pit men, pull men apart and pit men against each other and to weaponize elements of brotherhood uh, against men for other reasons. Uh, and one of these being, as we've talked about before in this podcast, community is something that is systemically difficult to create and sustain in American culture. Um, I don't really remember if it was in this podcast or Handy with Handguns that I talked about how... No, no, it was definitely in Handy with Handguns. We talked a lot about how... Uh, different elements behind the creation of serial, serial killers and the creation of uh, mass shooters in American culture. And one of the elements of talking about that was the isolation that folks both report to feel and are otherwise like, you know, it just is endemic within our society, a lack of community and an increased isolation as we uh, sprawl into these wide suburbs where it's just harder and harder to stay in touch with people and community spaces break down and uh, community elements break down. And you see this play out a lot of times when people get out of either high school or they get out of college. And they say, wow, I had such a great communal experience while I was in college, while I was in high school. I had friend groups. I had a bunch of people that knew each other. And now I'm alone in the world and I don't know anybody. And we often write this off in American culture as like just a, a normalcy. It's like, well, that's just how it is. You grow up and then you're alone. But in the rest of the world, it doesn't work that way. Like people still have communities. This very much is an Americanism. And I think... This is weaponized in American culture against men, specifically in 
military recruitment. You get out of high school, and, and I mean, I remember the whole time, I, and there's a whole uh, discussion that we had here about uh, military recruitment, because um, I, I went to a low-income rural high school where it was extremely aggressive with military recruitment. We had recruiters stationed in schools, uh, they had offices in schools, they would show up to class, we were required to take the ASVAP, uh, which is the uh, the the test that the military gives people to determine where you would fit in in the military. Um, and then we like had recruiters calling us every day. I have recruiters who would show up to my house. Um, and this is something that I have not seen friends of mine from wealthier neighborhoods and, you know, like suburban schools and stuff never like there I I've had them express surprise at this existing. But anyways, to my point, we were explicitly told in high school, hey, all of this friendship you have, all of these brotherhoods that you have through being a part of the football team or being a part of the basketball team, all of this stuff is going to fall apart when you get out of high school. Do you know what you can do to put it back together or to keep it going for a little longer? How you can still have friends and still have a community experience and still do all of this? Join the army. And then we're told the same thing in college. Oh, well, you want all this to continue? Join ROTC, become a military officer, join the army. And it's, it's, it's this lack of brotherhood that exists after you leave these community spaces that is then weaponized against men and people in general, but uh, a lot of these brotherhood-style uh, community spaces. Yeah, and, and I think the other the other place for this, like, this tends to get monopolized is in um uh I, is a place that i noticed which is uh the sort of the last bastion of community for a lot of people after they lose all the ones that you're talking about um is churches um and with the falling rates of religiosity there's a difficulty and you know i speak as one of them someone who used to be very religious and is now um i guess you could say religious but not spiritual and that i take my kids to church uh but i don't believe it's true uh uh has this there's a little bit of a tension of um it's really hard to sit and listen to a sermon about a thing that you think is you know incorrect <laughs> Um, especially if if there's ideology stuff tied in there, um, which there's been also an increased trend uh, in churches lately um, of not just being centers for community, but centers for ideology. Um, and so the, it often feels like um, those kind of things often make you feel like uh, you're being left out almost. Because like, if you are one of the um, many people who, um, you know, either isn't religious or the religious communities in your area are, um, you know, maybe espouse a lot of ideas that you're not comfortable with, um, they can be, it can feel like everyone's got a community but me, which is honestly like a even more dangerous type of thing. Um, but, you know, I do think that, I mean, it was this, <laughs> it was this tension, uh, this, this problem that drove me to 
to uh, get with some friends and start an organization to actually build up a community specifically. I mean, uh, as, as ridiculous as it sounds like, you know, a lot of what Rudrick Collective has been doing in our area is, um, was, it's centered around a lot of ideas, but like uh, one of the one of the seeds that eventually sort of twisted together to the thing that it is now is was the idea of like what if we did um, like a secular church that was focused on building up um, you know poor and marginalized groups um, and building communities that way and not centered around the worship of a deity um but you know i i also am lucky to be privileged enough to have the time and resources to dedicate to building up that space and it's gone well and i'm lucky and i feel thankful for that but i i can you know it's it's a nice stopgap for my particular area but it's certainly not a systemic solution on the way that churches are where like you know if you're a catholic and you move halfway across the country you just have a community that you can go like bam i'm part of this this congregation now um that's not true for um a lot of people uh not just the non-religious but like even like if you're a particular religion that's not present in the area or like all kinds of stuff or, you know uh it, that's and that's something that um why i think like there's a lot of the self-help advice in this area and one of the best pieces of advice i've heard is like if you're feeling alone go join a club like a hobby group like find people that are into model building or painting or like whatever like find a thing that you like to do and go find a group that's doing that and go join them yeah, 100%. And, and and if you can't find anything out there of the thing, um, and if you would all have the resources to be able to do so, try to create that thing. I mean, you know, that was uh, just uh, last week. There is uh, a friend, uh, somebody I know in the community who moved to uh, this area and wanted a bluegrass jam space, and there wasn't one around, and he just said hey I, I you know he just put out a like kind of an open invitation for folks to come hang out in his garage and do a bluegram session a bluegrass jam session oh i'm hung over my words are mumbling <laughs> um, but uh and it was very successful he had a really solid uh bluegrass jam circle show up and folks really you know kind of bought you know it, it went really well um i think a lot of folks find themselves surprised uh how easily they're able to pull up pull together those types of groups and spaces because yeah like every there's a lot of people out there who are looking for the same thing you are of uh, you being you know the listener um of looking for spaces to uh feel community to feel you know some some brotherhood and camaraderie with other folks and you know, and that is a natural human uh, element of things. And I think, you know, there's something else that we uh, we, we rightfully criticize in society, and that is, and I, that is boys' clubs. 
And this is where these spaces, you know, reached kind of their height of toxicity is when you're looking at groups of people, specifically men who are in power and who pull together and as a boys club, uh, exercise their power with a much greater leverage than they could individually or alone. Those are toxic. Those are bad. And those are a problem. Uh, they lock other people out of power, specifically uh, uh, women, minorities, and uh, folks of the working and uh, working class and poor. Um, and, and there is an understanding that needs to be had in um, avoiding those kind of spaces. Once you are a, you know, any form of community you're building that then exerts power over the community needs to reflect the community. Um, and, and I think that's why it is very important for us individually to learn a lot of the lessons that we talk about in this podcast. That being things like uh, anti-imperialism, uh, anti-racism, uh, uh, other intersectional um, issues, uh, you know, gender, having some gender consciousness, class consciousness and all of that stuff. Because when you pull together and start building these organizations, having that type of having those foundations underneath it helps prevent you from accidentally building a boys club or intentionally building a boys club. Um, yeah, I don't, I want to be clear because I think this is like one of those cases where um, uh, like terminology can, can get a little confusing. Like there is a distinction between a boys club and a space for men. Mm -hmm. you know, we started off this podcast saying like spaces for men can be a good thing. And so, and now like I can imagine someone being like, Oh, like, now you're saying boys clubs are bad, like make up your minds. And it's like, well, so there's actually a distinction, right? Between what makes something a boys club versus just like a space for men. Um, I, what, we're, what we're not saying is if your space is dedicated to men or men's needs or whatever, that that's a boys club and that's bad. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree that, that that difference is important. And I think a place where we can really see where that difference starts to grow is with the idea of, you know, as we've talked about, like both hobby and occupational um, groups are useful and valid. Hey, if you want to get together with a bunch of other uh, teachers who are... Um, also masculine presenting folks and talk about, you know, different things that are involved in that space that can be very valuable to build up that community. But a place where we often see this becomes something very toxic and a boys club is police. Police are endemic to having boys clubs, these extremely protective insular groups of men who solely exist for the purpose of protecting their members. And this is where we get into also the toxic ideas of brotherhood. This idea of, well, a brotherhood, we're here to protect each other from everyone else. That's when it starts getting toxic and, and dangerous. Because um, you have to, like, yeah, you are doing that specifically to exert your power as a group over other people. And now there's some argument to be said here. Uh, well, not... I, I could see how somebody might be uh, leading with this and saying, well, but don't you also like, you know, talk about the uh, positives of building unions and uh, other organizations in the community that are about building power in the community? Yes, that's about building power within the community for the community to govern and, and function itself, to operate itself, to run mutual aid programs for itself, to help itself. 
that's not about one group exerting its power over another group necessarily or or when it is in the case of community organizing what it is that it's to say that there is a small group of wealthy privileged people who are exerting power over that community and you have to match that power in order to maintain the ability of the community this is vastly different from organizations of police unions which are specifically there or not even just unions but just police brotherhoods which are specifically there to protect officers from the community uh from accountability and uh being you know held to ethical standards uh also within workplaces when you have boys clubs that develop that are purely there to ensure the status quo of a of a workplace and of a power structure I think that is something vastly different than uh, what we're talking about as a positive thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I know one of the things that like, I wanted to mention is, you know, like, uh, so like, I think we've said a lot about what to look out for in possibly, you know, negative aspects of the community. I do think that one thing I want to want to talk about is, uh, you know, like we we encourage people to do this and to find, uh, and with with some of these criticisms, you know, someone might be like, well, <laughs> why do that then? Um, I think you know the thing the thing about it is is, um, I think there's some obvious value that we've kind of mentioned in that, like you know, you get to have a shared space with people with a shared experience and and you know it's enjoyable to share things with other people who also understand the thing and where you're coming from and all that stuff. Um, but specifically, I, I think, um, you know, like, for example, I shared a lot about like some of the struggles with some of the toxic elements of the magic community, but, you know, I've had a lot of fun and a lot of enjoyment uh, and a lot of like enrichment, honestly, um, in the space of like, preparing for tournaments there's a certainly optimizing you know what cards you put in your deck uh, how you approach what angle of attack you approach on you know the meta game and like how, what your you know the composition of everything is and like uh having a you know getting together with a team and working on that team to collaboratively build up like you know your strategies for a tournament going in executing those seeing how you do having people to go back to and be like hey i got i just got, like got really lucky i got the exact thing that i needed at the right time yeah great job man oh you know i got screwed on this uh thing and just like you know lost out and it sucks and like oh man sorry you know like that happens sometimes you know and like having people to commiserate and celebrate with um those are all like fantastic experiences um that you know you know enhanced my uh like honestly getting into competitive magic like had a very positive experience on my ability to analyze and be strategic in uh situations with a lot of complicated tension um which i think has been really valuable in uh building up you know the you know Roger collective and, and uh movements movements and communities that I wouldn't have had without that community. Um, and so like that, the thing, that's the thing about, about communities is like in brotherhoods is that they can certainly 
have amplifying effects. They, they can reflect the existing biases and, and, you know, sort of evil, if you will, within people and communities. But they can also be, they can also make you be able to be a part of something greater than yourself and to and and that can that greatness can then feed back into you and make you better um you know you can have you being a part of a community that builds you up and encourages you to you know build certain aspects of yourself um you know magic encouraged me to be more strategic more analytical um as i've gotten in recent years more into like a miniature painting uh, it's encouraged me to be more creative and, you know, um, it's caused me to pay a little bit more attention to like color and be a little bit more observant in general of, of subtle details and appreciate small, small things in a way that I didn't before. Cause like when you're sitting there painting a little tiny statuette and you spend like fucking 30 minutes, like painting tiny little silver dots to create studs on like, you know, fake armor or whatever. It's like, yeah, you want people to notice the little tiny details that you put in, you know, uh, and you start doing that to others as well. You go out and you notice the little efforts and the little details that people put into things. And it's great. It enriches your life. These are all things that like, if I hadn't gotten into certain communities, into certain hobbies, into certain things, like wouldn't be part of my life and I would be poorer for the, for that. So like, I, I think like I said at the very beginning, but I think it's really important to reiterate here that like, that the, what you really need is a community that's focused on positively building up its members not toxic positivity not false positivity not people that are just like yeah man you're great you know you're great the way you are slap on the back like you're good you don't need anything you don't need anyone like like people need like if 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 when i'm painting a thing so, and, and someone always just says like it looks great oh no it's perfect like that's uh you know not helpful when i showed some of my first like try hard like when i tried to make it look really good statues to people people were like wow this is great for your first time good job have you ever tried a wash you know they they'll they'll, they'll like introduce you to a more advanced thing because they got into it and stuff and like you that that helps build you up in in ways and, and encourage you to improve yourself both your technique your in some ways and these are the things that you get these are the positive aspects. And if your community is doing that for you, that is, that is, uh, if your brotherhood is doing that for you, I should say specifically, if your brotherhood is encouraging you to make your life better, to improve your thoughtfulness, to improve your compassion, to improve your sense of self-worth in a uh, realistic and positive way, like that is invaluable but you have to uh, unfortunately the reality of it is communities exist in the in the current world and you have to recognize the current world has some negative elements to it and you need to be on the lookout for those that when you see them creeping up you can be like you can say like oh i'm not i need to watch out for that or you know call it out if if it's the kind of thing that can be called out like hey maybe don't 
uh, maybe don't treat this neurodivergent person with disdain, uh, you know, uh, or condescension, you know, that kind of thing, you know, because you want to make it the kind of space that continues to provide the positive benefits and doesn't encourage you to embrace negative aspects of yourself because communities are there to enhance aspects of you. And if they are enhancing the negative aspects of you, they will add negativity to your life. And if they're enhancing the positive aspects to you, they'll add positivity to your life. So just, we, we say all that to say that like, uh, not to say like, oh, you know, here's the problem with communities, uh, more just to say like, you, you should be aware that communities are a bit of a double-edged sword and you should be on the lookout for elements in your communities that are not contributing positive things to the people within them. Yes. And and I mean, and a, and a critical element of that is holding members of your community accountable. I mean, all of these things are saying, hey, we need to keep an eye out for these things. And then when you see a member of your community exhibiting these these things or or even your community as a whole exhibiting these things, you have to hold individuals and in, in your community accountable um, and not not allow yourself to become a shield, like not allow the community to become a shield that protects its members um from accountability uh in this because this is something that is again as we are talking about boys clubs this is something that is specifically a problem in brotherhoods and masculine communities uh is getting this attitude of i'm going to defend my brother to the sides of to the left and to the right of me against anything regardless of whether or not it's something that they yeah no he was in the wrong he shouldn't have done that but i'm going to protect him any i'm going to stand by him anyways because he's in my community like no you have to hold each other accountable and ensure and and and, yeah keep an eye out for these kind for all of this all of this toxicity and uh potential i should say potential toxicity that we've talked about um i think that I almost wraps up everything I had to say. I mean, uh, yeah, communities are good, uh, but they can be bad. And keep an eye out for things. I mean, but like, which sounds, you know, when when you say it like that, it sounds like we're not really talking about much. But this is a yeah, yeah, yeah. No. element of masculinity. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think we want to. It's kind of like. Um, uh, with any kind of advice, you know, you want to prepare people for the reality of what they're going to face. And the reality is there are communities that, uh, you know, participate in uh, amplifying rather than retracting from the toxic elements of people. And we don't want, we, we don't want you to go out there and be uncritical and like, just be like, oh, I'm part of a community. This thing's good. Like, I don't have to think about it. I don't have to, like, I can just, you know, you know, recklessly just, like, dive into this thing and whatever they say is good, I can trust that. You know, that's not true. Um, and not not to say that, like, that every, that you have to be, like, hypervigilant either. It's, it's just, it's one of those things in life where you have to balance uh, attention, a contradiction in your head of, you know, this thing is good in this way, this thing is bad in this way, and like, you know, pull back and forth between those two poles and kind of understand how to like navigate that. But I think what we're trying to say is like, don't, that that depriving yourself of that entirely is obviously harmful. Mm-hmm. 
being isolated, being alone, being community-less is just bad. Yeah, extremely and so. <laughs> you should be critical of your communities and you should be, you know, aware of the problems that can arise in them. But certainly don't take that tension and be like, oh, I don't want to deal with all that. Because, like, you're going to put yourself into a place that's so much worse than, than you know, ending up on in a, in a community that's, like, somewhat negative, you know. You can always find a new community to belong to, as as difficult as that can be at times. Uh, it's less true that you know you can exist without a community for an extended period of time and uh, have it be consequenceless. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Is actually something super recently relevant to me. Um, of of yeah like i i recently uh had some conversations with some old friends of mine who through the course of covid have became incredibly isolated uh because i mean you know part of rural community is being isolated and one of the things you recognize being uh, a former rural community person is the toxicities that are endemic in isolation. Um, and then, yeah, like, you know, having some friends who were doing really good and then like uh, through COVID went extreme into isolation. Uh, and now it's been a year and a half later and touching base with them again and finding so many just mental health issues backsliding into some severe mental health issues and just a, a million little toxicity things that have just creeped up into their lives where it had, and it's made them made life a lot harder for them and it's um it yeah isolation is bad i we are a social people like i mean it, you know uh, i, I should have came perhaps better uh, prepared to uh, show there is a lot of uh, evidence in the field of psychology in the field of sociology in the field of anthropology in the field of we are social creatures we are supposed to have friend groups we are supposed to have so societies um we have we require one another we do not survive very well in the wild alone um and we have been able to evolve and thrive because of our communities and our social survival uh capabilities and skills uh that entire lone survivor lone wolf idea that is endemic in certain cultures of masculinity um, is not functional it's not healthy and it's not good you need friends you need communities and you need spaces uh, brotherhood can be a good thing having friend being in close-knit friends of people who have been through similar experiences as you and and processing things and enjoying hobbies and going through a lot of the stuff like you were talking about um is super positive you know it's something that I long ago recognized even when I was in high school and I'm talking to like friends of mine, I was never into sports, but you know, I had a, you know, in a rural community, most of my friends were into sports uh, and talking to them and really quickly realizing that we all had the same thing that we were seeking out and enjoying in our community spaces. We all had these same stories of like, well, I like sports because I 
have to learn, you know, these different ways of, uh, of, of dealing with conflict, of dealing with the rest of my team, uh, learning like cooperation and competition as like an interlaced thing, like learning appreciation for details, appreciation for creating things, like all of this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, no, that's, you know, I mean, like, uh, like last time we were talking about martial arts stuff that was, you know, at the same time when I was like getting into fencing and I'm like, oh yeah, this is a lot of the same stuff friends of mine told me that they really enjoyed about other sports that they were into where you're learning um you know these kind of like disciplines and like how to uh think about you know your actions uh think about like fluidity of motion thinking about uh you know, just all of that kind of stuff is yeah that that's what these communities and spaces give you, and that can be good, and that can be wonderful. Uh, but be careful about the toxicities, and be careful about how other people may weaponize the toxic, like toxic elements of these spaces against you. Uh, those other people being people who specifically want to make bad groups of men. Like you know, uh, this is something. Last thing I want to talk about here, because when I talked about the military, you know, the military and military industrial complex and how brotherhood is weaponized against men in kind of imperial pursuit of constantly needing soldiers to go overseas. There's an element of this that we talk about in psychology that we have a really pretty good understanding of, and this is the recruitment of child soldiers in countries that have done this, because this is not something just, you know, recent this is, or that just exists in third world countries. Uh, this is something that has existed across history and even in a lot of Western countries at times. Uh, the English were famous for, well, not just the English, but Western countries were famous for doing this in their navies and their enlistment of midshipmen at about about 12 to 13 years old, which is also the time that most armies try to recruit child soldiers. It's about 12 to 13 years old. And a critical and important part of this is catching boys when they're about that age where they're really starting to socially reach out and they want to build brotherhoods of men um, together. They really like are seeking out that kind of everything that we've been talking about in this episode. And it's latching on to the more toxic elements of that. And using that to bend young boys and child soldiers and, and children to the will of an authority figure or a, a space. Um, that's just something to always look out for and be cautious and uh, be careful with yourself for because it still exists in different spaces and in different ways. Maybe you're not going to get enlisted into a child army, but you may get enlisted into the actual army using some of these same strategies. And uh, you may also be manipulated into certain workforces. Uh, you may be manipulated into abuse in the workplace. And you may just be manipulated in your community if you don't keep an eye out for these things. Yeah. And, you know, I think people often have the reaction of like, oh, you're saying people who join the army are bad. Like, or have <laughs> no, a not bad at all. Thing. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> like, I think it's there. It's always the, the, the tension between like, you know, like you have to be able to recognize when things operate in a certain way and be able to look at that honestly and recognize that just because someone like you or someone that you know is a part of that doesn't make you culpable for the effects. You know, like if you joined the army for whatever reason and uh 
you like the army. Of course you do. Like, if no one liked the army, if the army wasn't in some ways a pleasant place to be in some ways, that sense of brotherhood, you know, the things that you talked about, like, people wouldn't join it. <laughs> like, everyone would come back and there'd be a million stories like, God, the army sucks, like, you know, all this stuff. But like... Um, Which there is some irony here to the fact that Every time you criticize the military in this sort of way, people are like, oh, you're criticizing people in the military, but I've spent my life around veterans. Everyone in my family was a veteran. I My whole life around veterans, and every single one of them came back from the army and said, wow, that sucked. And here's all the things that sucked about it. Yeah. <laughs> but that said, I mean, like, I do think that, like, I, I do think that's present, but I also do think that, like, you know, there there is an environment there of of a lot of those same veterans do miss things about when they were in the right service. exactly yeah like there are there are enjoyable aspects to it that you know um i don't think that we should ignore but i think you should also recognize that there's you know a potential weirdness there of like it sure is weird that they need to like get in when people are like children you know, like, what's that about? Like, and be able to ask that question without thinking like, like every single person that joins the army is part of like, you know, some exploitative, horrible like thing, like, and therefore they're bad. Uh, that's not the point. The point is like, if you participate in or are in the army or whatever, that you're a bad person. I think I it's just recognizing that, you know, the army has certain texture to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I don't. I have absolutely no um, widespread beef with veterans. Like I just said, like my whole family was veterans. My dad is a veteran, um, and I, I deeply respect him and the cert in the service that he. Uh, you know, why I, I respect why my dad joined and why and why uh, he the positive things uh, that he pulled from that service um i also though watched as the military abused him and abused many other people in my life both friends and family uh took friends from me uh during the afghan war and um yeah i got beef with the military i don't have beef with veterans <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> Yeah, and I think most of the veterans that like, I mean, like my grandpa was a was a pilot in the Air Force, and I've known a lot of veterans like as well. Uh, my brother-in-law is currently serving in the Army Reserves, um, like, and everyone I've ever talked to is not shy, like you said, not shy on complaints about <laughs> about the Army as uh, entity uh, either. So I, I don't think that uh, I don't. I just want to make sure that everyone is not thinking that we're anti-soldiers. It's like uh, we're certainly like um, anti the way that the army operates, but not yeah. anti of the people that end up participating in that. And eventually, I, I maybe would actually like to do a whole episode about some of these elements because I think there is a lot to unpack with this. But I think that episode episode should be something we do with a veteran because uh, neither Absolutely, of us are yeah. veterans. Correct. Um, and I think maybe trailing into that is a good time to, uh, well, before I say this, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? 
Uh, no, I think that's that's all I kind of had to say on that. Yeah. So uh, if anybody out there has an experience um, in masculinity uh, in any way, shape, shape or form that you would like to share with us, unpack with us on the show, um, talk about on the show uh, or on the podcast, I, I guess, a show, I don't, you know what I mean. Um, please reach out to us on Facebook, on Twitter, on wherever we can be found um and and let's talk about that you know and that can just be something written if you even just want to write a you know an email or a letter to us uh saying hey this is something that i've been through or something that i have concerns about or something that i have experienced um please please do so we we would love to hear that and we if you would like to like us to we can share that on the show and uh, we may you know if you're somebody who would just like to come on and talk about you know things like this veteran experiences and and and, and uh, other things please reach out and this is absolutely not exclusive to uh folks who were uh who were uh born presumed male at birth assigned assigned yeah. sorry assigned male at birth um or otherwise uh, you know this is all i mean like women also obviously have a lot i have as i have explicitly said many times on this podcast my mother molded a great deal of my masculinity and very actively and intentionally uh because she wanted me to be a certain kind of man um women have a lot to say on this issue and i don't think this is a space where only men and masculine presenting folks can exist uh this also of course uh, is uh, something you know open to folks who there are many masculine presenting folks who are uh non who are not cis and not uh, straight uh we've like everyone please reach out to us uh is my long and awkward way of saying that um yeah yeah um anything else you'd like to add uh nope no i think uh it's gonna be uh uh you can edit this out if if we end up deciding against it but if uh on the off i i think it's going to be a um fun episode next time uh we have a idea that is uh gonna be thematically appropriate fantastic i am excited so yeah we will see you all next week uh thank you for joining us and please have a wonderful evening morning afternoon or whatever time of day it is wherever you may be thank you